if you feel like dancing don't say that i am a ceo or i am a you know a chief vigilance officer of this company i can't be seen <laughs> dancing any company that i worked with had to take into account that i would get empowered and i would be able to allowed to make mistakes i'm not hesitant to say that i learned a lot from the shadow board which i average age was 29 he asked me a very fundamental question what is the purpose of your life i've always felt is that god has made me or empowered me to make an impact i think most of us don't take a pause to understand who we are that a day after my retirement for my reboot i came to kana but i think i had the meditation session two sessions with the best trainer in the world which is daji himself woof woof welcome to kana cast today i'm speaking to cp gurnani who is a lifelong entrepreneur and has held several leading positions in a career spanning 40 plus years including with Hewlett Packard and HCL Corporation. He recently retired as managing director and chief executive officer of Tech Mahindra. Thank you so much sir for taking the time out and coming to the Kana studio. It's a real honor and a privilege to host you at Kana Shantivanam. So first off I'd like to ask you what do you think of the campus it's your first visit here Rudy uh pleasantly surprised when I came here I came very much prepared for only one dimension which was the meditation uh which was the heartfulness uh what I'm going back with is a multifaceted a multidimensional campus which is in a lot of ways every day has been a lesson uh for example the way a barren land has been rejuvenated but it's not only about water management it is just not about just making the area green you know in agriculture also you know when you start looking at preservation when you start looking at endangered spices and opening a lab on tissue culture so that you could protect the endangered spices it just shows the level of detailing that has gone into uh creating the kahana as a living space it's a living space not only for human beings it's not only a living space for meditation it is not a living space only for visitors it's a living space for every plant and even for you know if i were to exaggerate it is about a living space for tiny creatures also so i think what you have is a beautiful experiment and there is a feeling that at kana you continuously experiment and i have a lot to share in terms of what i have observed in people what i observed in some of the best practices 
and I'm so, so glad that a day after my retirement for my reboot, I came to Kana. Wow. Wow. That's so beautifully put. And you also mentioned that you had heard about uh, it being a heartfulness meditation center and you expected that. So did you get a chance to uh, have a meditation session here? I mean, I'm one of those lucky ones that uh, this is my third day. Not only I've had meditation session from the trainer, but I think I had the meditation session, two sessions with the best trainer in the world, which is Daji himself. So I think I'm fortunate that I've been here for two days and both the days I've had a training session with uh, Daji. That's amazing. And what was that experience like meeting Daji? What were your first impressions of him? You know, again, uh, that's why I said, it's an approach to leadership. You know, every leader has his own style. I mean, you cannot deny that Daji is the leader of the movement. Daji is the leader of all of us who are, you know, four million plus members out here. But I think his leadership style is very passive. It's in a way, you know, a delegation. It's in any way an empowerment. So I'll give you an example. I walk into the canteen this morning. I meet this young man who has been on the job for 10 months only, a gentleman by the name of Sita Pati. He's come from Oberoi. He's also worked in U.S. And here he is, you know, preparing meals, which if you buy it, you buy it at 30 rupees a meal. I mean, there are, uh, you know, other, uh, probably a little more expensive uh, food items also, but his mass consumption is 30 rupees a thali. And that also, a majority of it is given free. Now, think about an innovation or a motivation. Innovation to serve it clean, serve it without any foreign particles. Uh, innovation to make sure that you have a consistency in quality and you are doing it as a mass service. I asked Sitapati how many... Uh, maximum meals has he served? He said, three meals a day, 45,000 is the maximum I've served. 45,000 meals with the same staff, but a beautiful quality control. And I looked at his uh, equipments. I looked at his, uh, you know, the level of cleanliness. I looked at his quality control for every bag where they do visual and you know, final examination, they're able to catch contamination of foreign particles in a sack of rice or a sack of uh, wheat. So, and number two was, it was 360 degree. Nothing was being wasted. Mm. I mean, so my point is very simple, that when you have a sense of ownership, when you have a sense of empowerment, when you have a sense of serving, I think that's a beautiful culture. And uh, I really salute Heartfulness as an institute and obviously Daji as a leader for instilling that spirit, uh, the spirit of achieving. Absolutely. And it trickles down from the leader, as you would know so well, having led so many teams across your career. 
I wanted to ask you also, like coming to a heartfulness center, in India, we all have some sort of spiritual grounding right from childhood. We have either some sort of puja that we do or some uh, uh, saint that we visit. Uh, how was it for you, sir? Did you have uh, a background in sort of a spiritual practice? I don't think I ever called it a spiritual practice. To me, there were two parts to my life. One was that I always believed in a supreme commander. My mother used to go to a Gurdwara. So I've been going to Gurdwara every week for all my life. Uh, my father, while he went to the Gurdwara, he also went to the temple. And over a period of time, it was just that my father passed away very early when he was only 56. And because I worked a lot in south of India, I ended up going to Lord Tirupati Balaji Temple. And I felt a sense of, you know, benign presence, a sense of, uh, you know, somebody, you know, who gives you a feeling that he's there on that hill. Uh, so I started saying, and to me, my prayer to the God was every morning getting up and saying, thank you, God. I'm grateful. Before going to bed, saying, thank you, God. I'm grateful. Do look after us. Rest of the 14 hours of the day were always devoted, or maybe 15 hours, maybe 18 hours a day, were always devoted to making things happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always acknowledge the presence of God, but then God sent me to, you know, be a worker bee. God sent me here to try and make an impact. And I made sure that I am the Karam Yogi, I am the Karmat. Uh, and that's the way I designed my life. So... I didn't have anything to say that I would understand uh, spirituality or mindfulness or heartfulness. I think this is my first exposure. Fantastic. But the Karm Yoga was very much there throughout your life. I mean, you mentioned almost uh, sometimes even 18 hours a day would be devoted to work. Recently, we had a controversy when uh, somebody suggested that people should be ready to work 70 hours a week. What is your take on that, sir? Should we, uh, should we encourage that sort of uh, work culture or is it uh, harmful towards family and uh, quality, time, quality of life? So, Rudy, everybody has his own take on what they want to achieve mm -hmm. in life. My only request is that if you book, if you analyze any individual that you've ever met in life, uh, he is, he or she, whether the person is in government or the person is in politics or the person is in corporate life or the person is in sports or in music or in media and entertainment, all high achievers have done that 
cliche or the proverbial quote running that extra mile sure now to me you can choose which lane you want to run in you want to be in that high achiever lane then you need to put in a little extra you want to be in a medium lane then you figure out an hybrid method if you want to be on the slow lane you choose what is the, your definition of slow lane that's number 1 number 2 to say you know work life balance i mean if you enjoy your work then it is your life sure number 3 as far as i am concerned is most of us having a cap- cap- capability to balance that it's got nothing to do with 70 hours look at narayan murthy who's uh, narayan murthy's uh, wife sudha is one of the best known children book authors Absolutely. she is known as the best known philanthropist and she is recognized in her own right absolutely look at both the children i mean uh, one was in stanford and she ended up in 10 downing street <laughs> absolutely and one rohan is running his own ai technology company out of uk also something about ancient texts i think he's preserving ancient texts also rohan the rohan is uh, so my again my submission to all the listeners out here is that guys the there is enough scope for you to do everything that you want to do uh without trying to put them into a test tube and say this is 5 hour <laughs> test tube and this is a 6 hour test tube or this is a 7 hour test tube whether you use your time to work or to train yourself i don't consider a virat kohli or a tiger woods or uh you know any other uh, better sportsman that when they use their time when they get up at 4 3:30 in the morning and hit a pitch at 4 o'clock in the morning they they use that time for self training now whether do you call it work a good programmer when he's learning a new language i mean do you call it work because mm. he's not getting paid for it sure sure but he's getting future ready hmm so there are different definitions of what you do and how you do and when you do and uh, so to me you choose the lane you want to run in and if you're ch- running in that lane i mean you better realize that god has given us an opportunity to find our own balance on our own so true so true and i think personally for you uh, family has always been very important and uh, i was reading of course you also uh, make it a point to spend time uh, with the family and uh, so it's not been at a cost really i mean i can only, you know it's difficult to say what is that classical definition mm-hmm. uh, the reason is that in my case i removed the boundary between work and home so i brought my work colleagues home and i took my home uh, to sometimes to workplace so i did create that balance by just removing a boundary wow uh, so it's not that i i go on a holiday i do get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, till my you know my family would surface and be ready to join me for breakfast i would have already put in 3 hours of work Wow. and uh, i would finish my calls and then at 9 o'clock onwards i'm with them 
So it's not that I'm not on a holiday, but I'm still working. Uh, you know, I put in a little bit of work, so I'm not out of touch. Wow, wow. So, sir, as someone who's uh, been recognized and won almost every CEO award there is to win, what do you think is that one uh, quality that all leaders you think cannot do without? You know, you cannot be a leader without having a team to work with. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter which leader you are, political, judicial, administrative, or a cult leader, or a religious leader, or a spiritual leader. The reality is you need a team, and it's a team that makes you successful. So anybody and anybody that I know will only succeed if the team succeeds with them. So, in putting it in a crude language, I mean, you cannot be a leader if you don't have people following you. Sure, sure. So, ultimately, team makes the difference. Absolutely, absolutely. There's, there's also a, a conflict that sometimes people feel in a leadership position, whether to be, uh, whether to value discipline or uh, whether to value the harmony of a team. These are decisions that leaders face, you know, that, uh, you know, if a person is not performing, at what point do you intervene and say that, you know, or do you want to keep the harmony of the team, not hurt people's feelings and uh, carry on? So, I mean, most of us know you know, when to become a parent or when to become a teacher or when to become a military commander. <laughs> so, and I don't know if there is a practice school for that. Uh, I can only tell you is that uh, whichever leader that I have studied has achieved that find balance by balancing head and heart both. I actually brought in a third element to this, which said head, heart, and humor. Mm. Because, you know, <laughs> life is actually we're fun. It's just that we try and sometimes complicate it. So bring that fun element up front and remember that you have to bring in the fun element. And, uh, so never let the child die in you. If you feel like dancing, don't say that I'm a CEO or I'm a you know, chief vigilance officer of this company. I can't be seen <laughs> dancing. I mean, damn it, you are a human being. I mean, mm. just bring that head, heart, and humor. That's number one. And number two is, end of the day, each one of us is paid. We earn our salaries. And uh, yeah, we can have a lean moment. But uh, it's like in a cricket team, you rotate your team if, you are, if your team is not able to perform well. Uh, so as a captain, you have to take those calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've been, of course, in the tech world, which changes very fast. I mean, it's continually changing and it's continually there's this innovation happening. So as a team leader, there are people, you see innovation in the team, you see potential for innovation in people. But you, that, or the flip side is that if you encourage everyone to be innovative, 
there's uh, they are all going in their different directions so where do you uh, see that how do you um, say let's cut down on the indiscipline let's uh, inculcate this innovation let's encourage this let's not encourage this because if everybody started innovating it may lead to chaos so first is let's look at a typical and it doesn't matter which industry it could be your industry or media or it could be an industry in agriculture or anywhere there is a set of people who dominant hand is following instructions there will be a set of people who are and i learned this in a very beautiful way i must share the story with you my grandfather was an immigrant from pakistan he eventually landed up running an oil mill in a place called nimbahara in rajasthan and as a young person i would see him leave home in an absolute white dress with that gandhi topi and i would also notice that he came back with almost every every white part of his body or the clothes almost black and i used to ask him dadu what's that is a nay nay kaam karna hota hai beta aur hamara oil mill mein aisa hi hota hai and then i started going whenever there was a holiday i would you know walk with him to his oil mill because in small town nimbada and every sunday there used to be a heart heart is when the villagers come market. to this place a market place yeah. to sell Week, their goods weekly market kind of thing a weekly market so i would go with him on a sunday and uh, because it was a hard labor uh because nothing was automated i mean i'm literally talking uh, more than 50 years ago so he would be perennially hiring people so he would interview people i mean these really young people who will come for a job he said acha chalo hard chale jao one of those weeks hmm. it was tum hard jao ja pata karo moongfali kis bhav pe hai one guy went and he came back and said 10 rupees kilo the second guy went and he said bau ji abhi to 10 rupees hai lekin sham tak wait karenge to ye shayad 8:30 9:00 tak aa jayega maine aas paas pata kiya to ye sham ko inko pressure ho jata hai to apan sham ko karte hain the third guy came and he said why are we buying it in the heart we need to this is our bread and this is our raw material we need to work on a method of improving productivity giving loans and being able to buy it at 6 rupees because the guy is we are going to find do it in a value chain abhi to main aapko 8 rupees mein kheton se la ke de dunga so i thought this is very you know i was in 8th class that time so it's not that i didn't understand but he hired the first guy i said that guy you said is an idiot <laughs> uh that's a colical huh. way of putting huh. it i'm not trying to you know uh, create a controversy out here no these days what has to be so politically correct <laughs> yeah that's why i'm saying that it was my grandfather's way of saying ki, yeah. uh you know as he is a worker bee mm-hmm. 
So I said, why did you hire the worker bee when you said this guy, the second guy is intelligent. He said, third guy can do my job. <laughs> I mean, that's what he had said. He said, why did you hire that worker bee? He said, because the job that I want him to do is a worker bee's job. But as I grew up, I don't know why this story always stayed with me. And I even today, when I meet people, when I interview people, I put them into these three categories. But then I realized that many of us have a dominant hand. Mm. That dominant hand could be an improver, which is the number two case, or number three would be a game changer. But nobody works in the same zone all the time. So you take your job content and you decide what you want to hire. My grandfather's beautiful lessons. So yes, I will not have a team of 100 innovators or 100 uh, game changers at the same time. Mm. But I would definitely like to have a fair mix depending on what I'm trying to achieve. And in today's world, and that is honestly uh, a leader's job is to find the right team. Uh, you know, and that I think is what all of us, as you started the asking the question, what do we all uh, succeed or fail for? It is the people. What are we now trying to fix is? what kind of people and i promise you it's not easy <laughs> you would know no one would know better than you actually having uh, been at the helm of so many institutions so i wanted to ask you as a child you saw uh, you got these lessons was your childhood dream always to be in business to be uh, an industry leader like this because you studied technology or were there other avenues you wanted to follow as well i a small town guy, uh, born in Neemach, Madhya Pradesh, ended up working in, uh, going to seven schools, uh, and then going into Raurkela. I promise you, I did not even know what corporate life meant. Uh, because most, 50% of my classmates ended up in Engineers India Limited, Sale, or other 50% chose to go abroad, find the school which was willing to give them scholarship. So I don't think, I mean, to say that I knew what my destiny would be, I didn't know, number one. Number two is, yes, I was always an entrepreneur uh, at heart. So any company that I worked with had to take into account that I would get empowered and I would be able to, allowed to make mistakes. And that fortunately, both the companies that I worked with, both mainly HCL and Mahindra's, both of them gave me enough freedom to experiment. And that's what I told you when I came here, that's what I loved about this place. Because in every segment I've seen a feeling of that empowerment. Nobody was trying to tell me that they need a permission from someone. Hmm. It didn't matter where and which part of the institute I was touching. There was somebody or the other who had pride in showing what they are achieving and what it takes for them to grow 2x, 3x, and 5x. So I think you built a beautiful institute. That is so beautifully said, and thank you for those kind words. Uh, I wanted to ask you in uh, a conversation with... Uh, 
Vivek Vadwaji, who's sitting here actually, he was uh, mentioning how in the West, you know, uh, industry leaders and CEOs and things tend to uh, let success get to their heads and uh, then go ahead and, uh, you know, start believing their own press and uh, become larger than life and end up making mistakes, sometimes ruining companies and things like that. But as a whole, Indian uh, leaders of Indian industry seem to be on somewhat uh, more stable footing. And certainly, uh, right from the companies that you've worked with, the owners, the CEOs, they all seem to not let the success get to their heads. Why do you think that is? So two or three probably reasons to it. Number one is that I'm fortunate to have a wife who made sure that <laughs> the work that I do is not translated into the living room or the kitchen of the house. Uh, that means you leave your ego there. When you come into my house, you are part of the same fabric. Number two is I'm also lucky that I have two children who have uh, made sure that they show me my place. Uh, <laughs> you don't know how to dress up. Dad, you made a faux pas there. Dad, that speech was not good. I mean, you should have been a little more careful. They pretty much give me a feedback online every day, every moment. So that's number two, I think. I mean, so I, I can say for myself is, number third is, I did realize that there is a voice of youth. I actually made a process of listening to the voice of youth. I made it as a process to have a shadow board and I'm with, I'm not hesitant to say that I learned a lot from the shadow board, which I average age was 29. Then from my supervisory board where the average age was 62. So my supervisory board was nice, uh, but I learned more from the shadow board. And I took the shadow board very seriously because whether it is technology or innovation or whether it is the new worries of the future, that 29-year-old average age is more attuned to it. That they have friends who have gone into the startup world. Otherwise, a CEO can get insulated into some box. You call it an ivory tower or you call it an insulated box where you don't listen. And that's the worst mistake you can do. So I was always listening. Absolutely. A coterie can build around you and, you know, if no, it's the that old story, the emperor's new clothes. If nobody can say that the emperor's got new, no clothes on, then it's a problem. So I wanted to ask you also, you've seen a lot of change in our country. Our country's also gone through change. The whole world has been through change. Do you think the ease of doing business in India has improved? Are we on the right track there? You know, luckily, my business was 97% overseas. Uh, all I can say is, number one is, in these last 10 years, you know, being an Indian, the position on the dining table has definitely improved. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, when I mean by position on the dining table is, it is very clear is that India is now no longer being seen as a developing nation. Now there are open statements 
a joint chambers addressing a full congress of us and india businessmen and as i'm talking of almost 2014 and saying we have a indian prime minister visiting and addressing the senate we wish the us president was as forthful as much of a visionary and and insightful as the indian prime minister if we could trade prime ministers uh, with the president we would happily do it now this is that time a very very powerful corporate executive called john chambers who used to be uh, you know the head of cisco that time so my point is very simple that yes we have had an a nation which has been led by a person who has shown that if you position yourself uh, then rest of us will work together the reality is whether it is mission to the mars whether it is all about the digital infrastructure whether it is about your ambition of physical infrastructure whether it's airports roads ports railways everything there is a de desire to do 5x better than what you were doing earlier and i think this 5x or 10x i mean i you know was so happy to see prime minister modi announcing that india will be a serious contender to 2036 olympics now he's not talking about when he will be the probably be the prime minister he is 73 today we had, he has put a marker for 13 years from now at 86 america will have a 86 year old president but <laughs> india probably not but it is not important important is that for a country which wins a, just a handful of medals in olympics today as a desire and has put a marker it's like a john f kennedy's mission to the moon mm -hmm. so i think this you know dreaming and dreaming with your eyes open and enabling and feeling that we are a developed nation not that our problems are 100% gone away mm -hmm. we're not kidding ourselves i mean yes we do have some of the unique challenges i mean 1.44 billion people will have challenges but we are willing to still say we dream big and we will deliver big so true so true now with all the new technology coming in the tech front of course and you've been uh, in the tech industry is opening up and its exponential growth is happening there and innovation is also happening some people fear that uh, this would lead to a degradation of traditional wisdom and values and you yourself have uh, undergone ayurvedic treatment so do you think that those that fear is well founded or we will continue to cherish what is uh, what is the best of the past while forging what is new i think in my opinion it's an opportunity an opportunity of taking ayurveda to the rest of the world the way india took yoga to the rest of the world the the way india has probably taken cricket to a lot of other playing nations now sure sure i mean it was a uh, heartful to see i mean using the word heartful because i'm at heartfulness 
but uh, artful to see Afghanistan playing so well. Absolutely. It was so beautiful to see Netherlands playing so well. So my point is very simple. If you are strong in something, why not take it? And there's always a catalyst. I mean, whether, uh, you know, Baba Ramdev was a catalyst. So I am sure that Ayurveda will find that catalyst. I am sure the naturopathy will find that catalyst. I am sure that the different parts of technology will only help. It's the same way that you have an app called Heartfulness today. And, uh, you know, and that app, you can use it wherever you are, whichever part of the world. And it is available to all 7 billion people at the same time. So my view is technology is a enabler, not only an enabler, it is the glue. which has, Somebody has to use it properly. But the best part is, I think that awareness is happening. And I am sure we will find a catalyst which will take traditional medicine, traditional way of living, traditional scriptures, and uh, the traditional advantages. And at the same time, there were disadvantages. Absolutely. You know, it's not that everything every was tradition rosy. Yeah. is the one that we have to blindly follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are traditional which need to be discarded. I mean, you, we look at the past through rose-tinted spectacles, thinking that everything was hunky-dory. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we need to get rid of as well. So you mentioned you've come here one day after your retirement. And uh, this is after such an active life. And what are your plans for the future? How are you going to keep yourself busy? So, I mean, so how did I land up here? That's the first question, actually. Uh, you know, Vivek Vadva and us are family friends. And as family friends, I mean, uh, I was in U.S. last week of November. Uh, it was more to welcome my daughter's second child, uh, you know, and I called on Vivek and I was generally having a cup of coffee with him and uh, he asked me a very fundamental question. What is the purpose of your life? How are you going to repurpose yourself after you hang your boots? And I tried giving him a very simplistic answer, which is what I gave you, that I've always been a Kam Yogi and I will, till I have fuel in my body, I will remain a Karm Yogi. Number two is, I've always felt is that God has made me or empowered me to make an impact. I work with my wife. We run an NGO called Titliya. Uh, we look after about 2,500 young children who are in the slums or who live a life which is slightly, you know, deprived. And we try and give them education because education is what made me or my wife different or gave us a more opportunities. So I said, I'll continue to work on education. I'm working with my own college. I'm a founder of a university. 
in North India called Plaksha University. It's a collective philanthropy. So it's not only I am the founder. We are 100 founders, but we are creating a world-class university. Similarly, you know, I am a chairman of I am Nagpur. I'm working a little bit with Ronnie Screwwala because I've been a critique of the India's education system. While India's education system gave all those IITNs and IIMs, but I've been a little bit of a critique. So I realized the gap that it has. So I work with Ronnie Screwwala on upgrad. He said, so far, so good. I mean, uh, so this is Vivek playing back to me. Is there any other bigger purpose? I said, my son is into green energy. I think the world needs green energy with all these, you know, challenges of climate control, <coughs> you know, carbon emissions. And uh, I may not be solving all the problems, but I'll help my son expand that part. He gave his views on, you know, various alternate fuels. As usual, Vivek was outspoken and critical. I mean, he didn't think EV was the right way to solve the problem, but that's Vivek for you. Uh, we started chatting and it became very, very clear that there is a lot more to be done. And I should not leave the fabric called technology. I should not leave, because this education, while it has technology, but it is not all pervasive. Uh, while green energy is also technology, but it is not something which is uh, impacting, you know, potentially 7 billion people. Hmm. So this is where you know, Vivek started dreaming in front of me about a potential to dream and a potential to make life of 7 billion people better. I think I'm at a pencil sketching mode, so I can't, you know, go beyond that. But it is very, very clear that Vivek has a design and I think I'm falling into that pattern where if we put all the building blocks, all the ecosystem uh, components together, we should be able to, you know, create happiness for 7 billion people. Obviously, you know, as the old saying goes, you know, the world started with the world I, so first make us happy. And I'm not talking about uh, meditation here. We're talking about I here is the current pilot group and then expand it to the district or to a state or to the country. Uh, I think we're getting the whole design elements into place and there is a potential. So yes, I might be having a bigger calling and I'm happy that Vivek is not only the coach here, but he's also the guy who's kicking the football. <laughs> That's fantastic. And we wish you all the success in that. And uh, that keeps you busy. One thing I wanted to ask you, suppose there is a, for, a, for youngsters who are starting out in life, you know, and uh, they are full of innovative ideas. 
what would you recommend? Do they join a company and uh, work, get experience? Or if they are full of innovation, do they, like Steve Jobs, strike out on their own and uh, try and start up something? Because startups is a word that's thrown around a lot. But we hear the success stories, but there are many, many failures too. I think the beautiful tools available now for individual to do a self-assessment and a psychometric assessment. Uh, whether my definition of these three categories of worker B, improver, or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. game changer, I think most of us don't take a pause to understand who we are. And who here, I'm not talking spiritual part, just purely. And number two, I have challenged youngsters all over the world to share their five-year goal or a 10-year goal. More often than not, I want to get a promotion or I want to get this much money. Sure. They've never said what will give them a fulfillment. I think that's the second question they need to ask, answer to themselves. Then the third is then the journey. Hmm. It's not about work-life balance. I mean, just because you come home at 6 o'clock and you switch on a TV and you watch one more series, I mean, is that work-life balance? Hmm. I mean, so my request to every youngster is, you know, uh, you are educated, you have better tools than I had when I started my career 42 years ago. Use those tools. Number two, Understand your own goals. You can change every day. But if you do not even map your journey, please map your journey. It will make you feel better about yourself. That's all I can say. That's wonderful advice that I think uh, lots of youngsters would do well to heed. Uh, lastly, I would like to ask you as a CEO, uh, you go through a lot of stress for sure. Uh, we are in a meditation uh, center, which basically is a uh, relaxation and de-stressing. What was your routine to get rid of the stress or manage the stress? I think I didn't even realize it, but I was doing meditation in my own way. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, my morning was always not switching on any equipment when I got up. For me, it was always a peaceful walk outside. I didn't hit the gym as soon as I woke up. I just went for a peaceful walk. I mean, I think it was in my own way, a moment of self-reflection. Similarly, at the end of the day, I mean, there was always this moment, which was again a moment of self-reflection. I mean, I did it in a very different way. I would switch on a TV and, you know, uh, Watch any channel. It didn't matter whether it was National Geographic or whether it was uh, Doordarshan or an NDTV or India Today. To me, it was just that cleanse yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't want the thoughts when I go to bed. I don't want to have the thoughts of what went right or what went wrong at my workplace. So in my own way, I had my own way of dealing with it. But now that when I, you know, as I told you that I was spending time with Vivek and you know, spending time with this beautiful trainer called Pragya, I can only say that I wish they had come in my life a little earlier. <laughs> well, it's uh, never too late. And uh, maybe the first day after your retirement is the start of some uh, new and beautiful chapter 
further on. And uh, I would just like to thank you for taking the time out to sit down and talk with us. It's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful interaction. And I do wish you keep coming back to Kana Shantivana. We would be honored to host you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rudy. And uh, just for the records, I have committed to Vivek Vadva and your wonderful trainer called Ramki that I am coming in for a restart program, a formal restart program, where he is going to fix my brain cells and I am going to be ever grateful to him for, uh, you know, triggering that restart. Wonderful. That's lucky for us because we'll have you here again. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Rudy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of KanaCast. Please follow and subscribe to KanaCast on Spotify, YouTube and Instagram. Until next time, woof woof.